everybody is on shots Come on, you know I had to use that song to open up a podcast talking about the vaccine. I mean, it's the first thing you think about, right? I don't know why I didn't use it back in December when we did the episode on the race to the vaccine. So here we are four months later, and we have not one vaccine or two. We have three available now here in the U.S., and a fourth could be coming soon. So you've got the Moderna and the Pfizer. Those are two-dose vaccines. You've got the Johnson & Johnson as a single-dose vaccine, and now you've got the AstraZeneca vaccine coming on board and they're saying that the latest research uh, has the efficacy at 76 to 79 percent depending on which data you're looking at that's pretty good odds i would say so uh, and it's a big day here in florida because just this morning governor ron DeSantis announced he's going to lower the age of eligibility to get the vaccine from 50 to 40 and the following week april 5th he's they're going to lower the age of eligibility down to 18. So the vaccine will be available to any adult Floridian after April 5th. That's pretty significant considering uh, back in December, we were hoping to have a vaccine available to begin with. And here we are, we've got three and a fourth one coming online. And I've got a big decision to make myself. I am over 40. As a matter of fact, I turned 42 on Sunday, which makes me eligible for the vaccine beginning Monday, March 29th. And I gotta be honest, I've never even gotten a flu vaccine. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I mean, I'm I'm vaccinated for Tdap, tuberculosis, diphtheria, something in pertussis. Uh, and I make sure my kids are vaccinated. So I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I just want to make sure I clarify that. Not an anti-vaxxer. I believe the science. I believe what my doctor tells me. But I'm going to be honest. I would much rather get the vaccine in my doctor's office than to go to a mass vaccination site where you are herded like cattle and then you wait for your opportunity to get your shot and then you walk through the tent and you get your shot. I'm a little old-fashioned when it comes to that sort of thing. I think I'd rather just go to my doctor's office and get it from him. So I've got that decision to make. And, and while we're talking about this, you know, it's all about your immune system and I waited tables for a long time, touched a lot of people's food, plates, silverware, all kinds of stuff. For about 10 years of my adult life, I was exposed to just about every germ you can imagine. And I did go to Daytona Beach in the 90s during spring break, so I'm pretty sure I'm safe against anything. But nonetheless, I am going to go and get the vaccine. I just don't know if I'm going to schedule an appointment at one of the retail pharmacies or if I'm going to go into my doctor's office, again, I would rather go into my doctor's office to do that. So let's reset the topic of vaccines. Let's figure out where we are. And to do that, we're going to talk to Dr. Atul Grover. He is executive director of the Association of American Medical Colleges Research and Action Institute. So let's start by asking Dr. Grover, where are we in the process, in the effort to achieve herd immunity? So we want to get to about 70 or 80 percent of our population being vaccinated for us to achieve that level of, quote unquote, herd immunity. What that basically means is the herd is protected because if somebody slips into our group with an infection, that infection can't go anywhere if you've got 80 percent of people vaccinated. So it sort of just stays with that infected person, doesn't travel. Now, in order to get there for the United States, because we are not vaccinating children right now, you'd have to get to about 90 percent 
of adults. So that's, and that could be through vaccination or it could be through prior history of COVID infection. So that's a bit of a leap. I'm glad to see that we are actually um, in the midst of trials with younger children. uh, And uh, hopefully by uh, the beginning of summer, uh, we'll be vaccinating those kids as well. Right now, we've had about 25% of the entire U.S. population receive at least uh, one dose uh, of a vaccine. But in terms of being fully vaccinated, it's closer to about 13 or 14 percent. And there's been some debate nationally as to who should have access to the vaccine first. Here in Florida, our governor has taken a seniors first approach, uh, making the vaccine available to senior citizens uh, before, you know, most of the population. And the governor's rationale for that is older people are more susceptible to this virus, so we're going to vaccinate them first. Is that the right strategy? You know, every community is going to have a little bit of a different strategy. I think that's been one of the challenges as we think about trying to assess where we are. I think Florida's approach um, could be theoretically reasonable. The question I would have is how do you ensure that some of the most vulnerable among vulnerable Uh, in terms of populations of color, people who are already marginalized, incarcerated, homeless, people who are really vulnerable, how do you get them in with that first group of seniors? Uh, And are all seniors kind of equal to each other? We know that's not the case. We know that if you're, you know, 85 or 90 with diabetes and lung disease, that's going to be different than a 65-year-old who's down on the Gulf Coast uh, down there in Florida who's hitting the links three times a week. So, you know, I, I think we want to do this with an eye towards equity, um, but no sort of single approach is going to be perfect. So I think the biggest thing right now is making sure that whatever vaccines get shipped to the state, get into people's arms. And I think we're getting better at that. Well, I know there's been an effort to get the vaccine into underserved communities, but we still have pretty uh, abysmal vaccination rates among minority communities. Uh, obviously, education is key where are we in that effort? Well, I think we're still running behind uh, in, in most parts of the country. And we have the additional challenge of vaccine hesitancy uh, that we've seen among populations who could really benefit the most from the COVID vaccine. I think I understand that. Um, and I think there's probably two areas that falls into. And let me also say that among healthcare workers, not just doctors and nurses and PAs, but also people who are doing the frontline food service custodial service, uh, billing, all the people that interact with patients, um, about one in five of those people have said they're not interested in the vaccine right now. I get it. I understand why. And I think it falls into two general areas. Number one, the healthcare system has not always been fair and equitable when it comes to the treatment of vulnerable populations or people who are brown, black, uh, or otherwise disadvantaged. And so it's hard, I think, for a lot of communities, particularly communities of color, to say, well, you know, you first. And I think um, hopefully what people have seen is that since December, we've been vaccinating people. I've had my first shot back in December uh, as a clinician. Um, I am doing great. The CDC checks in on me every week, as they do with all people who register who get a vaccine. And so people who are kind of doing the watchful waiting and see, I'd say, Um, We've got great data there already. And if you've already had a vaccine, the best thing you can do is in your community to be telling people that you go to church with, that you work with, that you see on the street, 
your friends and neighbors to say, look, I got a vaccine. I feel great. And I feel uh, a lot more relieved that I've got some some backup insurance as I still take precautions wearing my masks, et cetera. The second concern that people have that, um, again, I, I understand is, boy, wasn't this quick? You know, how did we develop a vaccine in nine to 12 months when normally you can tell if it takes years? Um, it was quick, but it's based on research that's been going on in our academic institutions since the 1990s uh, when it comes to mRNA, adenoviruses. Uh, similarly, have a long history of, of being researched uh, and deployed now. And the difference here was that the federal government um, early on through Operation Warp Speed invested tens of millions of dollars into each of these trials. And so normally the federal government would say, well, you come to us when you have some data on safety and on efficacy, and then we'll, we'll buy your, your uh, vaccination. What they've done here is essentially work as a, their own little venture capital startup uh, angel investor firm and said, we're going to fund this research, realizing nothing may come of it. Well, at least three vaccines have come of that investment, and it's because that additional set of money upfront allowed us to do clinical trials because of fantastic patients in our communities who are willing to volunteer and the amazing researchers that we have in our university health centers and, and across the country and government facilities that have been taking part in these clinical trials. So we have enough people that have been tested, you know, tens of thousands of individuals for each of these vaccines, as well as sufficient representation of people of color, which is not something we always had. So I understand why people are hesitant. Um, getting them the facts is critically important. And each of us as individuals has a responsibility to get vaccinated and to let people know that we're doing great. So what do you say to the skeptic who says, I don't fully trust the authorities, the powers that be? I mean, think think back to a year ago. The CDC was telling us we don't need to wear masks. Now they're telling us we need to wear two masks. People who look at that and say, look, even the even the quote unquote experts don't know enough about this virus, let alone the vaccine. Uh, I'm just not taking that chance. What do you say to those skeptics? Well, I, I'd say, look, I, I understand it's hard to, to keep up with messages that may shift daily. And um, I'd also say that the best experts learn. Um, they, they learn continuously. And I think that's what we've seen from our virology experts uh, like Dr. Fauci, who have been willing to say, look, we thought that this was acting like one of our typical viruses. We were more worried about you, like, you know, washing your mail uh, and your Amazon packages than we were wearing a mask. But as soon as we found out this was more likely to be airborne, we changed our recommendations to keep up with the science. Is the science going to be perfect in any given day? No. But you need to have trustworthy sources that are divorced from politics. I think we have that in our government organizations. I'd also encourage people to come to our website at aamc.org slash COVID roadmap. There you can find independent information. We have taken information from the federal government, from the Rockefeller Foundation, from Harvard, from Duke, to make sure that we kind of summarize stuff uh, for the average person in a way that is independent. And, and that's really what you want to do is get information from various sources. Be skeptical, but listen. And um, again, I think listen to your friends and neighbors that have been vaccinated. Um, evaluate that for yourself. Uh, and uh, look up as much of the data from as many sources as you want, but make sure it's data and not just a story and not just a theory. 
that somebody's telling you. All right, let's look into the future. I know uh, there is an, an all-out effort to make sure that everybody has access to the vaccine, uh, adults, at least by May 1st. Are we going to get there? Is that even feasible? I believe it is feasible. Look, we're at about two and a half million vaccinations a day right now. Part of that has been limited by our ability to execute uh, what capacity we do have and have enough human resources. Um, it's been the challenges in the supply chain. I believe both of those are being addressed now. Um, particularly with the help of the federal government, with FEMA coming in, running mass vaccination sites that are not as limited by the capacity. I got my first shot uh, in a grocery store in the deli section, which was next to the pharmacy section, right, surrounded by cold cuts and sriracha and pickles. Lovely experience, but you could only fit so many people in there at once. So we're trying to figure this stuff out in terms of our ability to execute. In terms of production, what we've heard from these companies and from the Biden administration is that we are rapidly going to be sort of doubling the amount that we get per month over the next couple of months. So I believe that in April we'll be doing a lot of catch up. Uh, and then by May, um, I think we're really still going to be convincing people who have not yet had the shot. Please come in in order for all of us to be safe. We need to do that. And hopefully by May or June, We'll get data out of the clinical trials right now that have been going on for children. I have a, my youngest is 13 years old, and so she's stuck in this place where she's like, I want a vaccine. I'm like, not yet. You can't do it, uh, even if we had them available. And so I think this is all going to catch up with the supply and vice versa. I think we can get there by May. I think by July, it is likely that you can have small uh, gatherings with other people who are vaccinated without masks. You can hug them, right? I don't know what we're going to be doing in terms of concerts and bars and how we handle all that uh, where you've got more high-risk behavior and closer proximity. But we'll be a lot closer to normal than we have been by then uh, in the last 15 or 16 months. Um, so I think we're on track. But that requires some responsibility among all of us, which is why we're working with the CDC right now to try to get this information out to people. So it sounds like Dr. Grover is telling me that I need to make that appointment and get my shot. You probably should, too. And with the vaccine now being made available to more Floridians, uh, there's really no excuse not to get it. So uh, and, and the experts all agree. The only way we get through this pandemic and on onto the other side is if enough of us get vaccinated so that this this awful virus uh, becomes less of an issue and either goes away on its own or uh, I think the more likely scenario is going to be that this thing's going to be with us forever and it's going to be just another uh, variation of a seasonal uh, virus like the flu or the cold, something we deal with every year, every winter, every spring. Uh, I, I feel like that's probably more where this is going, but uh, our lives are not going to return to uh, what we believe to be normal or, or, or even what was close to normal before all this stuff until we get past the pandemic. So you get your shot, I'll get mine, and hopefully we can uh, we can get past this crap, right? Good idea? All right, I'll talk to you next week. Next week.